Well, the classroom culture, that's everything. That That is where the foundation for understanding that you are a mather, which is what I like to call it, a person using mathematics to navigate the world and make sense of it. Because we think about encouraging students to own reading as a part of their identity, writing as a part of their identity. We read, we write. Why don't we math? So let's talk about reading, writing, and mathing. That's the biggest language shift that needs to happen. Hello, Montgomery County, and welcome to the OPL podcast with MCIU. My name is Brandon Langer, and I'm the Program Administrator for Instructional Technology in the Office of Organizational and Professional Learning. This podcast features a variety of thought leaders, innovators, and those that work in the field of education. And today we're really excited to, or I'm really excited to be joined by a colleague of mine, Steph Schwab, and a special guest we have coming up to work with MCIU in the future, Deborah Pert. And we're really excited for her upcoming session, but I'll hand it off to Steph to introduce herself, who will then uh, introduce Deborah. Hi, everybody. Uh, Stephanie Schwab, Program Administrator at Montgomery County Intermediate Unit for STEM. I'm excited to have Deborah with us today. She is the founder of My Mathematical Mind and the Director of Elementary Learning at Unbound Ed. Deborah is an advocate for a mindful approach to teaching mathematics, and we're excited to have her with us. So thank you for joining us today, Deborah. Thank you so much for having me. What we would like to get started off with is a little bit of background about kind of how you got started and why the initiatives you're working towards are so important. So can you tell us a little bit about why you think mindfulness is so important in supporting students in their mathematical learning? Absolutely. So I'm excited to share because I absolutely love when kids love mathematics. And very early in my career, I was focused on literacy and all things reading, and I was all about it. And in grad school, I took that one elective in a math course that answered all the questions I had that were never answered when I was learning mathematics. And I thought, why aren't we telling kids about this? But even kids who were really good at it hated it (laughs) for some reason. So I had to dig a little deeper. And it was through my studies of yoga and mindfulness and those things that you think about math as the one subject that is the most anxiety producing. It's the subject that many people have apathy towards. It's the subject that teachers kind of don't want to teach, particularly at the elementary level. And seeing that gap of even if I have the skill and the intellectual ability to do it, that I still don't love it and don't want to do it, made me wonder where was the disconnect happening. So in comes mindfulness, where it's about being in the present moment. It's about thinking about your thoughts and helping students to self-regulate, to calm themselves. And I offer a workshop called Managing Anxiety in Math Class in Life for this reason, because it's also an opportunity to use mathematics as a vehicle to provide strategies for navigating big feelings because they come. And even just thinking about how to problem solve every day and make the connection between why it's important to be a great problem solver in math class, because it impacts what you do in your everyday life. So Deborah, you talk about the mindfulness and being present and how that can support students in their mathematical learning. 
I know there's this idea around belonging in a mathematics classroom um, and having a community. And so how does the classroom culture support belonging in a mathematics community? Well, the classroom culture, that's everything. That That is where the foundation for understanding that you are a mather, which is what I like to call it, a person using mathematics to navigate the world and make sense of it. Because we think about encouraging students to own reading as a part of their identity, writing as a part of their identity. We read, we write. Why don't we math? You know, why do we reject mathematics as a part of our identity? So if you have a classroom culture where it is safe to make mistakes, where it is safe to process your ideas with an audience, rough draft thinking, you know, I think about how we encourage that in other academic spaces, but not in the math classroom. I established we were a village when I was in the classroom. Everything was about being a village. We didn't have class rules. We had village agreements. We had um, I modeled making a mistake, thinking out loud, self-correcting so that they understood what it meant to learn from your own mistakes and for your thinking to evolve. So I modeled that. They modeled it for one another. It was beautiful to watch students think about a solution, recognize that they thought something different than someone else, and it being okay to not to shut down, but to think more deeply about it. And that's the culture. That's a culture that I intentionally worked to establish so that everyone knew they belonged so that it was it would not be appropriate to tease or shame someone else because they made a mistake, got the wrong answer, or were unsure or had nothing to say. We were a village and we had on the wall, it takes a village, dot, 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 to do everything. It takes a village to solve problems. It takes a village to become better. My students, even as young as third grade, they talked about math all the time. They talked about problem solving together. They laughed at themselves when they made what they called silly mistakes. Ah, oh, I understand it. I just made a silly mistake. That's culture. Much like saying, I can't read that book right now. It's a little too challenging for me. We teach kids to, you know, get your just right book. But how about teaching them to also feel safe, acknowledging that they're stuck on a problem publicly? So I just love what you're saying about a couple things, but not the least of which is one, you, the adult being willing to model failure, willing to model learning live in front of them. And that clearly trickles down to kids because, and then you described a situation of a student finding their own mistake. That's engagement. That's not waiting to be told whether your answer was right and wrong. That's you actively participating in, in that, what you're doing, which is, is special. And a lot where we, we struggle with engagement in math classrooms kids just shut down or they, they, they're not engaged. And that leads back to something you let off with, which I just love. Why don't we tell kids about this? Why, why, why aren't we telling the kids these things? We're just telling each other and they don't even understand why we're doing it. So I'm excited to learn more. And then you were talking about how an environment where students are just kind of finding their understanding and finding their voice in the process of mathematics a little bit. So what place does language have in developing students' mathematical understanding? So it is one of the most important things to me, starting right at the beginning with the way we talk about mathematics, period. So you heard me say that, you know, we have a mather movement and that's all about changing the way we talk about math 
as something that you don't get to opt out of eventually. So let's just start there. You're not going to stop taking math. You're not going to stop doing math, but it's framed that way. You know, you can take math up to a certain point and then you can choose other electives and never do math again. That's not real. But we wouldn't say that about reading. Oh, as soon as I'm done with this last reading course, I never have to read again. No, you would never say that. So that's the first place where we need to look at language. And I like to say we need to rebrand mathematics, mm-hmm. bring it bring it into the fold. The three R's, forget about the three R's. They were never three R's, reading, writing, and uh, arithmetic. There were no three R's. So let's talk about reading, writing, and mathing. That's the biggest language shift that needs to happen. But then the other shift is allowing kids to make sense of mathematical ideas in their own voice, with their own language, without, you know, looking over them and saying, no, 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 don't you mean? And don't you mean? But just let them just express themselves in a way that makes sense. Allow them to have a conversation with a peer in a small group, not just turn and talk on command, now turn and talk and stop. No, how about I'm working through it independently and then I turn and I say, I was thinking about it this way. What are you thinking? So we have to structure time for independent think time, quiet think time, but then math class needs to be a place where it is normal to talk about your ideas and then being precise in your language with mathematical language is also really important. But first, we have to acknowledge that mathematics is a language that needs to be learned. So my students impressed other teachers because they use precise mathematical language, but I did not cram vocabulary down their throats. They were using the language of decomposing numbers. They would even encourage one another with saying things like, um, wait, 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 you said your strategy was the number line. A number line is a tool, not a strategy. So those were the conversations my third graders were having, helping them understand how to articulate what they want to say without correcting them prematurely. So when I'm processing, let me use my language that is not precise, and then you help me attach the language that makes it more precise. There's a lot that's resonating there. Um, The distinction between processing in my own language and then the teacher layering in that language, that's really key and a more explicit way to think about it um, than I have in the past. So I appreciate that. You've been saying uh, numerous things about what we need to allow students to be able to do in the classroom. So as a teacher, What is it that I can do to help create that nurturing mathematics community for my students that you've been talking about? So you've said these things we need to do, but what does that mean I as a teacher need to do to be able to help those things occur for my students? Okay, so the first thing right off the bat, I would say is trust the students. And and that is not a small thing at all. So trust the students to handle, to be able to have conversations that I'm not managing creating the space where it is normal to have mathematical discourse. And I am facilitating, I am eavesdropping, again, just like we do in reading. When we are trying to listen in on conversations and not dominate the conversation, but we also have to put structures in place so that they understand how it works and flows. So with our village agreements, for example, the initial conversation was, what do we all need to be able to be safe, feel safe, and be productive in our village. And it came from them. 
they brainstormed their ideas. They worked in a group. And then eventually we like I, I scheduled time in the class day for us to have this conversation. And then once we came up, we got it down to somewhere between seven and 10. And then they all had to chime in and talk about, yes, I agree that this is what we need. And they had to sign it so we can refer back to it. So trust them to be involved in the process of creating the community. So that's the first thing. I would also say trust that they can handle the conversations that need to happen and that they could handle hearing the thoughts of others without getting confused and losing their ideas. Trust that they don't need you to tell them explicitly how to think, how to solve, uh, how to get to a solution. Trust that they can be vulnerable and not have meltdowns, that they can learn to communicate their frustrations. That's where the mind mindfulness comes in again with self-regulation. I need a moment. I'm feeling frustrated. Give them the language to articulate what they're feeling and, and express it in a way that makes sense, but also that is acceptable. We don't want people yelling and screaming and throwing things, but we have to help them to um, figure out how they can manage that and when they need to step away and come back. And we have to give them permission to do that. We can't be so strict about time constraints or I need to get to this part of the lesson and you're slowing it down. You, we have to trust that the program we're using, hopefully something that is aligned and provides the guidance you need as a teacher, but you also have to trust yourself. You also have to continue to learn and be open to new ideas. Many of us learned math in a way that um, prevents us from being open to new ideas. Let's just be honest. When a student says, I thought about it this way and it doesn't make sense to you, you say, oh, no, 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 don't do that. No, 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 do it this way. Let's be honest. It's probably because we're not sure if it really works all the time. So that means we need to bounce ideas off of our peers and have mathematical conversations. So I know that's a long answer to that question. And there's even more that I would say, but teachers, when I, I break it down like this, especially at the elementary level, but I think it happens across all levels. The first thing teachers need when thinking about teaching mathematics is comfort. They need to heal from their own math trauma. They need to address their own issues with math, math anxiety and their relationship with mathematics so that they can explore content more deeply and become more confident in their delivery of math instruction so that they can collaborate with their peers and feel comfortable doing that so that they can deliver high quality math instruction to the students in front of them with an open mind and flexibility in their own thinking. I hope listening to Deborah's answers has excited all of you as much as it has excited me. And if you want to engage further with Deborah, please join us on March 9th at MCIU for a full day professional learning session on making mathematics invitational for all students in kindergarten through fifth grade. Thank you, Deborah, so much for your time and Brandon for helping to facilitate our podcast today. Uh, we look forward to having further conversations. Thank you. Thank you.